0: Welcome if you're with us at home or out on the patio. We're glad that you're here with us and we want to celebrate together the great things God is doing. Are you ready for Thanksgiving? How many of you still have some shopping to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And You know the crazy thing is, is I really want to celebrate Thanksgiving this year because we have a lot to be thankful for, right? And because everybody seems to be forgetting about Thanksgiving and trying to skip straight to Christmas, Right, I'm gonna go start putting uh, Thanksgiving decorations on Devon's lawn. I think so, just, just for fun, right? Just for fun, yeah. Um, so today, today we wrap up um, our message series that we've entitled uh, "Where Your Heart Is," and, and we've been looking at this idea of making kingdom investments. You know, I, I never thought a lot about investments as you get older, and you have to start thinking about like, oh. You know where where are our finances? What are you know what do we need and what are we supposed to do and all those things? You start thinking about it a little bit more. Uh, we all know obviously that it's much better if you start young, and then you just stay cons- consistent, right? And, and you don't mess with stuff. You just stay consistent. But but what we're talking about is, is not just earthly um, types of investments, but kingdom investments. And I don't know that we always think about ourselves. You know, we think about ourselves as followers of Jesus, as Christians, all these other other things, but we are investors, investors in the kingdom of God. And and this whole uh, sermon series really kind of gets its impetus from a passage in Matthew chapter six, uh, starting in verse 19, where it says this, it says, do not store up, or like invest, right? Storing up is like investing. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin, kind of like that vermin word, right? How many of you have some vermin running around in your backyard, right? Yeah, uh, Vermin, destroy, and the thieves break in and steal, but store up, or invest, right, your, for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And here's the key part. For where your treasure is, in other words, where you invest it, where you put it, there your heart will be also, and, and that's huge because the condition of our lives is very dependent on where our heart is. And, and the reality is is that God, you know, has told us already in the book of Proverbs. It says, "Hey, above all else, guard your heart, because everything you do flows from that." And so, if that's the case, and we need to be careful where we where we aim our heart, and this passage tells us that our heart is where our, tre- our treasure, or where our treasure is, our heart will be also. And so this, this morning we're gonna kinda wrap this up. I mean, God is telling us that our earthly investments aren't safe. How many of you have discovered that before? <laughs> right, that you, that you can make an investment, and then you know what's really interesting, it, is if, if, you, if you've never made an investment, then even when you're watching the news and the little stock tickers going down the, the thing, you, you, you just think it's annoying. But the minute you start putting money in, you start paying attention to that little line, right? You start paying attention every once in a while. If, you, if you're an investor, every once in a while, you start paying attention and you start swiping up and you start looking at, is the little line going green and up and to the right? Or is it red and going you know, down to the bottom? you know, right-hand corner. And which way is all that going? Before you make an investment, you could care less. But the minute you start putting money in, you start paying attention. Why? Because where your money is, there your heart follows. And God is telling us that these earthly investments, they're not safe ones because we know eventually that's all going away. And, and he's trying to tell, get our attention in these passages. And he's trying to help us understand and help us make investments that will last forever, kingdom investments. A few weeks ago we looked at, and, and so during this whole thing we've been talking about our treasures, because it says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We've talked about our time, our talents. Today we'll talk about treasures. You know, a few weeks ago we, we looked at how we invest our time. Uh, what does it look like to, to seek king the kingdom first when it comes to our time? We learned from Moses, remember Ten Commandments guy, right? We, we learn from Moses that we should number our days so that we'll have a heart of wisdom. In other words, he's saying, you should number your days because your days are numbered. No matter where you are, you have a finite number of days left. Someday, someone will be able to count those days. But God is telling us, hey, you know what? You have an infinite number of days in eternity. That's what makes it eternity, and you'll be in eternity a whole lot longer than you're here in this world. And so what God is saying is, hey, be wise and make investments. Invest in the place that you're going to be the longest. I mean, doesn't that make sense? That you would place But very few of us think about investing in eternity, investing in the kingdom, investing in our eternal life because all we can see is what's in front of us. And we need to invest in those things, invest our time in those things that will actually make it with us from this life into the next. And there's very few things, right? There's really very few things that are gonna make it from this life into the next one. Um, and they really are all about people. You know, wh- whether it's your family, your, your children, um, the, the people that are around you, those lives, those souls, those are what's going to make it into eternity. And so what God is telling us is make big kingdom investments that are going to last into eternity, that are going to go with you. All the rest of it, it's not going with you. You know, the age old saying, you've never seen a U-Haul trailer behind a hearse. Right? You don't get to take it with you. So he's saying, hey, invest yourself. And, and so think about how, how would you invest your time? in those relationships, how would you make sure that you're making wise investments of your time that are going to pay off, not just today, but for eternity? And then last week we, we looked at how to invest our talents. We looked at the fact that every single one of you in this room is talented. How many of you are talented? Yeah, every single one of you, even those of you who didn't raise a hand, you might not feel talented, you might think your talent is strange, right? But the reality is, is you are talented. Uh, The reality of, of all that is, is that God knit into the fabric of your being special abilities, talents that he created you to have. And for those who have made Jesus Lord of your life, you not only have like a raw talent, something that maybe you do well, whether it's a sport or a musical thing or a tech thing or whatever, not only do you have kind of a propensity or an ability towards something that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've said Jesus is my Lord, then his Holy Spirit comes in and now you not only have raw talent, you have a spiritual gift. You have the God-empowered gift to do something amazing for the kingdom. You have something that is meant to be used to build up the body of Christ. And when, when you don't recognize it, and when you don't use it, well then we all miss out. Because every single one of you, like we said last week, has a spiritual gift to be used to build up the church. And today, today, we're gonna to turn our attention to the last one of these. So we had time, we had our talents. Today, we're gonna to talk about treasure. You know, other than the kingdom of God, money was the topic that Jesus taught about the most. And why, why do you maybe suppose that is? You know, why would Jesus spend so much of his teaching time on money? And, and I think, I think it's really because Jesus knows that money is the number one contender for our heart, right? Because where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. And, and Jesus knows that. He created us. He knows how we're wired. And so he looks at us and he says, hey, where your your treasures? There your heart's going to be. And so he says, hey, if, if I'm going to be number one in their lives, then you know what? Then, then I'm going to need them to relinquish the control of their treasure so that he can be number one in our lives. And there's a passage that we read in week one from Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 to 29. It's a little long, but I just want you to hear it. You can follow along on the screen or look in your Bibles with you. That, that kind of talks about this idea of investing our treasures. And, and it starts off like this in, in Matthew 14. It says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his, his wealth to them. To the one who gave five bags of gold, to the other two bags of gold, to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who received the five bags of gold went at once and put the money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one who had two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag, he went off and he dug a hole in the ground and he hid his master's money. After a long time... The master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the, the other five. Master, he said, "You entrusted me with five bags of gold. See? I have gained five more." The master replied, "Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness." The man with two bags also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and I gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him. Give it to the one who had 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them, and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that's a rough way to end the story, right? There's weeping and gnashing of teeth. But some of you understand that, because when it comes to the idea of finances, that's about all you can think about is weeping and gnashing of teeth, right? I mean, I don't know about you, I'm not a financial thinker, so whenever I think of finances, I just think of like, oh, all right, I don't know how many of you share my angst with finances, but it's just like, oh, really, do we have to think about this, right? But what God is telling us is, yes, it's a vital part, like understanding and being a good steward of our finances is a vital part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. The biggest issue in this whole thing is is the idea of ownership. I mean, if you go back and you look at verse 14, he says, you know, it's like a man who goes on a journey. He calls his servants and he entrusted his wealth to them. So whose wealth is it? Yes, yeah, the master's wealth, right? It wasn't the servant's wealth. They were just charged with stewarding it, taking care of it, helping it grow. But it was really the master's. And so obviously in the story, we know that it's telling us God is the owner. God is the owner, we're just the servants. God is the one who gives everything. The Bible says every good and perfect thing comes from our Father in heaven. Like everything that we have comes from him. But you know, there's something innate inside of, we're, we're kind of born selfish, aren't we? We've talked about this before, I mean, you know, other than the word no, what's the next word that every kid learns? Yeah, mine. Mine, mine. I have an illustration I've shared before that, um, you know, I remember when our, one of our daughters was really little and she's sitting there in the high chair and it was about this time of year because it was right after th- uh, Halloween and, and we had candy and so I, I had this bag of M&M's and I, you know, this is what makes me a good grandpa. I just opened the bag and dumped it on the you know high chair because um, my wife's like, yeah, no, we don't feed the baby M&M's, right? But I'm like, well, you know, they look small enough. I think they yeah, won't choke them, right? So I'm just like, all right, here we go. So put down some M&Ms. And she's kind of, you know, munching on her little M&Ms. And I reached over to try to get one. <laughs> and she just like did this number. And she's like, mine, right? And I was like, no, 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 no. I just, I just gave them to you. They were mine. I just gave them to you. But think about—that's how a lot of us respond to God. Right? We have this great God who wants to give us good things, and yeah, He gives them to us. And then God's like, "Hey, so you know, give me some of that back." And we just do, "Whoa, God, what are you doing? Trying to take some of that?" Right? Whoa, God, like, hey, you know, like you're the—you can create. Go create your own M and M's over there. You know, that's kind of our response to God. And unfortunately, we don't recognize all the time that God is the owner of all things. Psalms 24.1, it says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. In fact, so now he upped the ante. It's not just that all the things are God's. We are God's too. Not like you're a God, like you belong to God. Right, so everything in the earth, okay, everything is the Lord's. And all who live in it, which includes you and me, we, we belong to him. And he wants your good, even in the area of finances. And I'm convinced that the people who are having struggles and tough times in, in terms of finances, again, things happen in life and, and sometimes, you know, just the economy's weird and things go on and we find ourselves in difficult situations. But the reality is, is that God wants good for you in this area of finances in your life. He wants you to live with freedom and with peace. When we think it's all ours, we, we, you know, and then we think, oh, well, I'm just going to give God a little bit, right? We give God the leftovers. It's almost like we're tipping God, you know, and if God does, you know, if God just kind of does his normal job, we give him, you know, 10%. If he gets really good service, we might give a little more. But that's how we treat God so much of the time. But I think that a lot of us struggle with this idea of, of who really owns it all. And some of us think that if we give God a tithe, then the other 90% is just ours. Like that we're giving God something that's ours. But the Bible reminds us that everything belongs to God. And when we don't get that part right at the beginning, then it sets us up for struggle and difficulty and debt, okay? And it enslaves us to the idea of money, so um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, this morning, ask a couple friends to come up and share a little bit so you don't have to just listen to me this morning. And the reason I'm, I'm asking them to come up is because I, I have heard um, their story, their testimony, uh, in, especially in, in regard to finances, and, and I think that they have a lot to say, um, and I just think you'll be encouraged by them. So Craig and Kelly Atkinson, can you welcome them this morning? Here, you guys can... Yeah. <laughs> um not only are, are do they have a great story in charge of that but see they're using their talents they uh, on on our guest services team. Yeah. And you can be too. You you too can have one of these beautiful uh, blue t-shirts. Um but um you know um when it comes to this idea of that God owns all of it, it, it we really start thinking about, like, what are our attitudes? What are, what are, how, what's the way we kind of think about money? And I, I know you've shared before, but in, in your story, um, maybe share with us um, prior to a few years ago kind of where your thoughts and attitudes about finances and money were.
1: So, uh, yeah, for me, I mean, we were pretty successful, but I always felt like God couldn't tell me to, what to do with my money, right? He couldn't. And I figured if I put him in charge, he would take things away from me, right? Like NFL ticket, uh, w- whatever it was, right? Like, I-, I feel like he'd tell me to turn off my cable. He'd, uh, he- he'd do things that I thought like I deserved. I worked hard, right? Like, so, so having God be in charge of my finances just wasn't going to work for me because he would tell me, Craig you can't have this or you can't have that?
2: Uh, For me I um right out of high school I started working in banking so it was my job it was my career and I was good at it and rewarded for it so I felt like I didn't need God to tell me what to do with my money it's my job he gave me this talent to work with money and work in finances so there I just didn't see a that it was important that I was able to do my job. I didn't need him to tell me what to do.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that spills over into yeah, into mm-hmm. your own finances, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and I love it because I, I Kelly has shared before, like her job was to help all of us get into debt. Get into debt. Mm-hmm. Right?
2: I mean I, I make money based on keeping you in debt, putting you in debt. <laughs> That's that's my job.
0: Yes. <laughs> so when she's helping people get out of debt, it's like it's count it's yeah, <laughs> kind of yeah, counterproductive, does, but, not, know, really, right? not, but so, not really, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, so and I think most of us kind of have that that thought and that attitude about our finances, right? We we think, man, I worked for, her, I did this, so I got this, so it's mine. What we forget about is you know, like it says in the book of uh, of Second Chronicles, like it is the Lord who gave us the strength to make money. It's like the Lord has given us work to do so that we can do that. The Lord is always providing in one way or another, but because the paycheck has my name on it, I think, oh, it's money, right? And that, that becomes part of the struggle. So it, the Bible has so much to say about money. One of, the, one of the verses that I really love, I think especially for us, is in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 to 19. And it says this, it says, command those who are rich, In this present world, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Now, I'm going to stop right there, and you can leave that up on the the screen. So, it says, command those who are rich in this present world. We've talked about this here before, if you're new with us or if you're online with us. Um, Who are the rich people in the world? It says, command those who are rich in this present world. So, who are the rich people? So raise your hand if you're one of the rich people, okay? Yeah, yeah. Look, the reality is this. I, I was doing some research on this. The United States of America, right, us that live here, um, we have 4.5% of the world population, but we hold on to 34% of the world's wealth. So we are the rich people. So when, so when the Apostle Paul is writing this, he, he's writing to us. Right, and Because he, he says, command those who are rich in this present world. Well, in this present world, we're the rich folks. In, in fact, if you made $34,000 last year, and some of you are going like, wow, that's not very much, right? Yeah, but if you made $34,000 last year, then you were in the top 1% of wage earners in the world. Yeah, the top 1%. If you make the average household income in the Caneo Valley, which hovers right around a little over now, $100,000, you're in the top like quarter percent of wage earners in the world. You're in the top quarter percent of wealthiest people in the world. A lot of times we just don't take the world perspective. And I realize, yes, it's more expensive to live here than it is to live you know in in you know Liberia where we we just visited, or you know Ecuador, where we go and do missions work, or Cambodia and things like that. I mean, yes, it costs more, but the reality is in, in terms of the world scene, we are the rich people and, and 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 yet we seem to struggle the most with money now the que- big question is in, in this it says, command those who are rich. In this present world, not to be arrogant or put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So who provides it all? Yeah, God provides it all. He's the one who gives us the ability to have it. Now how much does he provide? How does he provide? He says richly, right? He says like he provides, he richly provides. In other words, God's not cheap, Right? God's not stingy. God God wants to lavish blessings out on his children, and I I even believe in in this area, in every area of life. Somehow we separate this area of finances from everything else in our heads. God just sees it as another part, right? Now, obviously an important part because he taught a lot about it. So he richly provides us, and why does he provide it to us? Why does it say Have you ever thought about that before? That God provides it for you for your enjoyment. Not so that you could have a lot of fret and worry and anxiety about money. That is not why he provides it. He provides it for your enjoyment. In other words, God wants to make sure that we live in freedom, in peace, and really enjoying what God has blessed us with. But we struggle to do that because we hold on. Because we try to be in control, and whenever we're in control, yeah, it doesn't work so good. You know, uh, I, and the way I know that is this. It's interesting. So we've got, the most, we've got the most wealth in the world, but we're also the most in debt. So while we hold on to the most wealth, we, we're still way more in debt than anybody else. In fact, um, Americans as, as a whole, we have uh, $925 billion in credit card debt. Because what we'd been richly provided evidently wasn't enough. So we decided that we, because we can get it, we think we should, or that we need to. And so we we take what we have, and then that's not quite enough, so we borrow to get more. The average household debt now is $145,000, which is pretty crazy. And, And the problem with debt is this, the problem with debt is not that it's just a pain in your rear, right? The problem with debt is that the Bible has told us already in Proverbs 22, 7, the Bible says, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. You have a God that wants you to live in freedom, even in regard to finances, but we keep putting ourselves in slavery to debt. He says the ritual over the poor, the borrower is a slave to the lender. Now, Craig and Kelly, um, h- how have you experienced that, like being enslaved by debt?
2: Well, because I was so good at my job, um, <laughs> our household debt about five years ago was $136,000, and that was just consumer debt, not our mortgage. And I found myself working for a company that became very toxic. It was a very hostile work environment. It's something that I had never experienced. I always had such joy with my jobs. They brought me happiness. I was a decision maker. I was responsible. I was awarded. So it was really hard for me to be in a situation where my job was so bad. And I could not quit that job because of our debt. I was afraid to quit that job. I was held captive, I was in bondage, I was a slave because we owed that amount of money. Craig would call, I would call Craig actually weeping, just like Ken just read to us, the weeping and gnashing of teeth, that job to me was my hell on earth. I was weeping, physically sick, it was torture, it was torment. I would call Craig crying and he would give me that pep talk and the old coach's speech to get back in there and you're a child of God and you can do this and you're better than them and because he knew that we couldn't quit. I couldn't quit the job because of our debt. We were, we were, we were slaved.
1: Well, she told the story. So I'll give it to the, I'll give it to the guys in the room like this. Every time she called and sometimes... It was every couple of weeks. I think when I look at my life now, um, as a husband, I failed her. I'm gonna tell you 100%, I failed her because when she called, all I could think about was the money. All I could think about was paying our bills. And I never ever thought that I would get in in front of a room of people and tell them this, but it hurt my heart so much not to be able to tell my wife, walk out the door tomorrow, because I knew what it was doing to her. I knew what it was doing to us. And there's probably nothing else in terms of being enslaved. I figured I could have lost all the money t- tomorrow. And as a man, I would have said, all right, I'm just gonna work harder. I'll make the next promotion. I'll figure it out, right? But to not be there and not to allow your wife to get out of pain was a real problem. And I didn't even understand how it affected me probably until we actually got out of debt and started going back and thinking about our story. Because in that moment, it was about the money. It was about, it was about making sure that we could keep up the appearances that we tried to let. I mean, like this time, understand, we're not broke in terms of what the world would see. We had two houses, we had kids in college, we had all this stuff. But I couldn't tell my wife, we had to keep all those balls in the air, I couldn't tell my wife, for you, get out. So that was the problem for me. Yeah.
0: And I think their story just is, it's not unusual, right? I mean, there's so many other people that have similar stories where because of debt and because of other things, that we find ourselves in a place where we are trapped, where we're scared, where we have all this anxiety built up uh, about like, how is this gonna work? And, and what's amazing to me is that so often we, we don't wanna include God at the offset, right? We're like, oh, we're making money, we're doing good, everything's wonderful. And we don't want to include God in that. We think, oh, this is, we're all good. We'll take care of things. We know what we're doing, you know. And then when it even comes to giving, which we'll touch on in just a moment, we're like, oh, you know, it's okay. Yeah, you know, I'll just, I'll just give this a little bit. I'll just kind of give God a little tip here and there and whatever. And we think, but the minute that it crashes, the minute that the walls start moving in on us, where do we turn really quick? Oh, dear God. Right? Where if, if we will include him at the beginning and through it all, he's going to help us avoid all of the pain and the agony. And that's what God, see this is the part where, you know, when we're talking about money, I'm keenly aware it's very difficult in the room. That's why I think it's so important for you to hear stories from somebody else because it's so hard because we have so much emotional attachment to stuff. But the reality is, is that God sees past the money issue to our heart issue. And it's, not, and it's not just that God's like, oh, I want your heart. It's like he wants good for your heart. He wants your heart to be free, to be light, you know. I mean, Veronica talked about the, the, the light yoke, that easy yoke of Jesus. He doesn't want it to put us in bondage. He doesn't want us to be shackled by the stuff of the world. He wants everything for us. And he wants goodness and happiness and freedom and not enslavement. And so when we get that place, I I think it just tears at the heart of God because he's like, oh, it didn't have to be this way, you know? Um, But I think that's something for all of us to think about this morning is where are our decisions about money causing us to not have peace, causing us anxiety, causing us fear? Where are those things, and can we take those things and, like Jesus says, cast our cares on him. In other words, look to him because he has the answer. He has the answer on how to get out. In fact, in that verse in uh, 1 Timothy, uh, the next couple verses, verses 18 and 19 say this. It says, command them, that's us again, right, to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. So he's saying, hey, you should be willing to share. And some of us are like, I can't do that because I can't even pay the bills, This is that whole, like, he wants us to get enjoyment out of being able to be rich in good deeds, to be generous, to be willing to share, to enjoy, to have stuff to give, right? And and the passage goes on in verse 19, and it says, in this way, they will lay up treasure. You you catch the investment theme here? You're going to lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life. That is truly life. How many of you would like the life that is truly life? Yeah. God has a plan. It, like everything else, God has a great plan for that. And so He want, how, how do we take hold of this life that is truly life? God's offering it to us, but how do we take hold? Like everything else, God says, here it is. I've got a way for you to take hold of life that is truly life, not a fake life that the world has to offer you, not a, not a crumbling foundation, but a firm foundation. How do you take hold of that? Well, we, we become generous people. We become willing to share. We become people who give. So, so then again, so how do we become generous and willing to share? How do we make kingdom investments? with our finances. So um, remember the story of the talents uh, back then? Well, the way that we make kingdom investments is we, we put what God's given us to work and we bring it back to him. And we give it back to him because what happens when the, those servants that made the good investments, when they gave it back to him, what did they say? Come and share in the master's happiness. How many of you would like a little bit of that, sharing God's happiness? Yeah, then, then it requires us to be generous and be willing to share. So how, so? the question becomes, um, how, how should we give? And, and the first one I would say is this. The Bible tells us to give cheerfully. Um, give cheerfully. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, each one of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, this passage is preached in churches all over the place when we talk about money, and, and it's always hard, especially when you're a pastor, because um, that whole thing about like it shouldn't be given reluctantly or under compulsion. And, and it's trying to find that balance between like, hey, God has this great plan for you. You should give, but don't give reluctantly. Don't give like don't. So it's, it's crazy because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be teaching God's word. And that should, in some sense, encourage you, exhort you, but not compel you. Right? So where all those lines are get a little crazy. Um, and sometimes people in the, in the church feel that, right? Because they're like, oh, the church just wants our money. And I just, I just tell you this. You know, Our church has been around for, for quite a while. And yeah, there's ups and downs in terms of finances, but God always provides. I, 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 one thing I have learned is this, is that if, is, if it's up to me, we're all in trouble. Right? If it's up to the Lord, we're fine. And the Lord is going to take care of things, and I have absolute confidence in that. So we're not we're not giving just to meet budgets and do all that stuff. We're giving because we want to experience a life that is truly life. We're giving because we want to experience the joy and the peace and the freedom that comes with living life God's way. And when we do that, we as a church get to benefit and do all these great things like you know what we're doing down in, in Mexico and what we're doing in, in the community and what we're doing around the world and getting the gospel out to everybody. That's what we get to do when we do this and we do it well. So we should give cheerfully. I got to tell you, um, uh, Barry uh, Kirshman and I got to go to Africa back in, in July. And um, uh, how, how many offerings did they take, Barry? Yeah, three offerings, Right? Three offerings, and when they take offering, there's music playing and people are dancing, right? When they're like, "Hey, it's time to give," the church is like, "Woo!" <laughs> like, yeah, you know, I've never once when 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 we give announcements or when David or, or one of us gets up and says, "All right, you know, it's time for generosity," nobody ever nobody ever whoops it up in here. <laughs> you know, no, nobody ever is like, "Woo!" Like, yeah, we. Think about this, though. In that moment when we're giving, we we are engaging with the king of kings. And we're taking what he's given us and we're making investments into what he wants to do in the world. And it's powerful. And we get to be a part of that. So give cheerfully with that in mind. The second thing is we're supposed to give generously. 2 Corinthians 9-11 says, you will be enriched in everything. Every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, and, and, yeah, and through us, your generosity will, will resort, result in thanksgiving to God. In other words, he says, "Hey, as you are generous, God's going to be generous, so that you have plenty to be generous with." And, and he's saying, like, just check it out, right? But we should give generously because we have a God who is generous. And so we should be generous as well. Now, the, then the last one is we should give obediently, right? We should give because God's word says so. Um, back in, in the Old Testament, the last book of the Old Testament, in the book of Malachi, chapter three, verse eight through 10, there was a crazy situation where the, the people of Israel, they, they were cheating God. They were basically like, giving him, you know, they're supposed to sacrifice their animals, and it was supposed to be, you know, the best. It was supposed to be unblemished. And God says, hey, why are you bringing all these animals that you basically wish were dead anyways? Why are you giving me the leftovers? And and then God says this. He says in Malachi 3, 8 through 10, he says, will a mere mortal, that's us again, right, rob God? But you ask me, how are we robbing you? And then God goes on, he says this, in tithes and offerings, then he says, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, there will not be room enough to store it. So people ask, like, okay, like, how much How much should I give? The biblical, the biblical kind of benchmark is a tithe, and, and I don't know why God... Pick that, right? But that's what God said. He, he could have done something else, but he said, hey, 10%. And he said, and, and bring it from the first fruits, right? So give it, give it to God first. He says, give 10%. And I know some of you are like, whoa, like that's crazy. Like how in the world would I do that? Um, uh, now, there's, there's different terms that we use around here for giving. One is just giving, right? There's this idea of just giving. And giving is basically anything, right? You can give anything, um, then there's this idea of tithing that you hear us talk about. And biblically, tithing means 10%, right? And, um, and then there's another term called offering. You maybe grew up and they took offering at church, right? So, offering, But offering is anything above the tithe. Um, so those are what those terms are all about. But here's the thing. Don't let any of this become a stumbling block to you. Because some of you hear the, the word tithing and you're like, yeah, no way. Yeah, I can't do that. Hey, I'm, I'm having trouble make, paying the bills already. How in the world is that even possible? And, and so I, w- I would say to you, if, if you're struggling with that, with that and you're trying to figure that out, I, I would just say this, that, okay, the benchmark is 10%, but maybe start at 1% and give it faithfully. And as God starts to bless you in your life, give 2%. Just keep just keep getting it, like, and over a period of time. I, I've, I've actually had people who've done this before, and they've said, okay, it's a 10-year plan. I'm going to go up 1% every year. Nobody, it's, it's, nobody has made, it has, it's taken 10 years. They always do it faster. Why? Because they get to a couple percent, and they realize God's blessing them. They go, oh, man, I want more, right? I want in. And, and, and so that's what happens. And, and so... Um, the other part is, you know, and I've said this before, if 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 you think, oh, the church is just, you know, trying to get the money, um, I, I say this um, with all seriousness, um, give somewhere else, right, give somewhere else, and uh, just, make, you can even come talk to me, I'll give you good Christian places to give, you know. Just remember where you learned it, and then you can come back and give here you know, later when it's working for you. But, but I would say, man, if, you don't, if you're like, oh, I don't know, the church is just after my money. No, it's like we're after the same thing God's after. We're after your heart. We want, we want God to have your heart because good things happen when God has your heart. And so um, now some of you get the stumbling block is this. You've been given 10% for a long, long time. And you're like, I've got it. I don't even think about it. I just give it. It's just what I do. Right? But I would even challenge you and say, hey, there's nothing in there that says you have to stop there. Because for some of you, 10% is not generous. For some of you, 10% is like, yeah, that's not a big deal. Right? So I would say, hey, I want to just challenge you to say, hey, invest in the kingdom. Make good investments in the kingdom. Now, the question uh, for Craig and Kelly is this. What would you say to someone who hears about giving, especially this idea of tithing, and they just think, like, yeah, there's just no way?
1: So I think we were enrooted, and I heard Ken say the same thing, and I'd been a part of a few churches in my life, and I, I just never heard it said that way, right? I never heard it, like, give somewhere else. Just give, right? Like, it didn't matter. And I think that changed my heart. So when we started on this journey um, to become debt-free, that was the first part of what we had to do, right? Like the first part was, I'm gonna tithe, and then I'm gonna pay off the rest of this stuff. And what was amazing, I think even in the first month, we had $1,000 extra in our budget, right? Like month one, right? So we decided to tithe, we we're gonna pay off all, you know, and, and I'll give this to you. So, you know, we did, we were doing Dave Ramsey, and there's a lot of reasons why we got there, but, the to have money at the end of the month and we had tithed was it i think that was blessing month one right like we did and we didn't know how we were going to do it because we didn't know i mean just to give you a little bit of our story i mean i was the guy that used to oh i need tires on the car and i have to call "Uh, honey can we get one two uh can you know (laughs) do we have money in the budget to do uh okay you can do two but it was a credit card right like and and so to do this in month one, I think, was uh, to see it and see that blessing right away. And we didn't think we could do it. And, and we jumped in, I think, with both feet. We just said, okay, it says 10, we're going to do 10.
2: Yeah, when, um, when, we, when we hit rock bottom, I, I knew at that point we just had to surrender to God and become obedient. And that was the first thing that we did was to... Tithe. We had to be obedient. There was nowhere else for me to go. I gave God total control. And I will say this that I was terrified. I thought we couldn't afford it. We weren't going to have enough money at the end of the month. But a lot of things that people say to me is, you know, Kelly, I don't want to be on a budget. I don't like being on a budget. I don't want to be restricted. And I'm going to tell you right now, being on a budget gives you freedom because you know where every dollar goes and you are in control of your finances, and you will just watch God work. It's amazing. So I would tell you to stretch yourself, to surrender, be obedient, and get ready because he will bless you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we'll get there in just a second. But um, it's weird because it's counterintuitive, right? You're like, oh, my gosh, can't pay the bills, in all this debt, and then all of a sudden it's like, and tithe? Like, and, and, like, Give this away? And and, you know, like that could go to do this and you know, it just seems so counterintuitive. But here's the thing folks, this is the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus, walking it in this world doesn't always make sense because it's this crazy walk called faith where, where you have to trust that what he's saying is true. And it causes us to have to do things that, are counterintuitive. But when we do, then God takes over. Like the space that we give him to work in, he works miracles. Just like a thousand bucks at the end of a month where you were like, how are we gonna pay everything? And it's like, oh my gosh, Like God's word is true. And what I keep discovering over and over again, I can't, I can't explain it. All I know is this, is that in every aspect, when God's word says, hey, do this, and he, God's word is true. And and that's what we want you to experience. Okay, we we want you to experience God's freedom and the truth of his word when we walk in faith. So remember, ultimately, um, God's not after your money. He doesn't need it, right? Heaven's doing pretty good, right? I mean, they paved the streets with gold up there, God's doing just fine. But, Here's the thing that's hard for us. And and again, the Bible's true. Uh, After the story, maybe you've heard of the rich young ruler that comes up and says, Jesus, I want to follow you. And Jesus says, hey, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and then come follow me. After that little interchange, there's this interesting line in Matthew chapter chapter 6, verse, uh, well, I'm sorry, it's in Luke 18, I think, verse 24. It says, Jesus looked at him and, and he said this How hard is it for the rich? to enter the kingdom of heaven. I, I I want that to settle with all of us just for a moment. Again, knowing that God's word is true, he says, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of heaven is that place where God reigns, where his rule and his will are always being accomplished, And for those of us who we've already admitted, we're the rich ones, for the rich, it's hard because we have to let go. We have to be open-handed. We have to have faith. This requires deep amounts of faith on our part. And it's hard. I'm not not just going to sugarcoat this. It's it's not an easy thing because it's a step of faith. Steps of faith are hard. But when we make them and we... We put ourselves into that place where, where God asks us to go. Man, the stuff that he does is incredible in that. And, and so, uh, just, Craig and Kelly, just to kind of, kind of, at the end here, um, I, I think, how have you experienced God keep his promise to bless us when we trust him in this area of finances?
2: Oh,. It, it.
0: Um,
1: so, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, we've thought long and hard about how we answer this question because we struggled with this idea that, you know, God is this proverbial slot machine, right? Like if you put in, you'll get back. I can tell you, uh, 100%, we've been blessed 10 times over for sure. And, And I think that's about, that's about the number things that happened along the way. And we've been, blessed. we've been blessed financially, but we've also been blessed as a couple, right? We've been blessed. Now when we look to give, it's, it's really funny. When you really start talking about this with your, with your spouse, we'll see something and it'll be something that we wanna to give to. And I'll ask her, okay, what's the number? And we look at each other, there has not been one time that we did not have the exact same number in our head. That is not an accident, right? We have been blessed financially. We've been blessed as a couple. We've been blessed with peace. I had to make a, a decision and I had to make a decision in 2019. Um, I had resigned from my firm. I was done. I didn't, they didn't align with me culturally. They didn't align with... And in that moment being debt-free, I didn't have to take a job based on finances. I didn't even negotiate a number till the very end. Long story short, I actually stayed. Um, and the investments that we were able to make, you know, three or four years later completely changed. I mean it was a we would not have had the money to invest. We would not, not have had the things that we did in order to uh reap the benefits that we've reached. But uh, I mean at the end of the day, like I think there's nothing short of priceless how Kelly and I talk about money today versus where we were when God was not in charge of our finances. When God wasn't in charge, we were, we were two ships, you know, uh, you know, going in different directions, right? I had a different way of thinking about money. She had a different way of thinking about money. And I think that's the greatest blessing. I mean, yes, we, we, we're we doing much better financially. We have financial planner and our planner is now a, uh, he's a God first financial planner. So if you find one, make sure you do that first too, because he knows that we need to give to the Lord first and every plan we make, that's number one, right? And then everything else, everything else flows from that. So we've been blessed beyond belief and it hasn't always been a check in the mail. Uh, it's been while we were paying off debt, it was a year of college being forgiven for one of our sons. It was, uh, it was cars not wearing out, right? Like it was less maintenance. It was, you know, one of our sons got a little scholarship from playing soccer in, in Arizona. So all these things along the way, God, God blessed us. Maybe a, a check didn't have to go out in the mail. We got a $90 check in for something else, right? Like, so, so I will tell you that our testimony is that we have received blessings from putting the Lord first. And, and like I said, the, for me, it's the relationship with this woman here, the, the longevity of our relationship, being able to talk about money, being able to not have it be this thing that bound us up, right, the peace and the kids. And, and so he's given much more than I ever would have imagined um, when we started this journey.
2: Got it together now, sorry. (laughs) It's just, it's because it's so miraculous and I want it for everybody. I just want it for everybody. I don't want anybody caught in jobs that make them miserable. I want you to have peace with your finances. I want you to be obedient. I want you to change your children's lives. I just, I'm just so passionate about it. I just want it for everybody and I want you to experience God. And this is, this was my journey. This is how I truly, truly, um, it instilled my faith. I needed him to speak to me through the numbers, and he did. And I just, and now he's doing it with everything. We're obedient with forgiving people. We're obedient with our love. We're ob- obedient with our generosity above the time. I mean, we're just being obedient to his word, and he's fruitful. Yeah. It's it's amazing.
0: Yeah, you, you, you guys could hear, I mean, these guys I know could just, tell you story after story after story, but I, I love what Kelly said. We just want you to experience the truth of God's work in our lives. And what I love about their story is just what they were sharing, that we talk around here a lot about what it means to encounter God. And they encountered God in money of all places, right? And the same can happen for you And once you encounter him, I love how they're sharing that that encounter spills over. Because now it's like, okay, we encountered God in our finances. But now we're encountering, like now we're able to step out. Because we know he was faithful, because he did what he said he would do. Now we're able to step out and we're trusting him with forgiveness. We're trusting him with direction. We're trusting him with our kids. We're trusting him with this. We're trusting him with everything that we've got. And that's what we want you to experience. We want you to encounter God in this. And so the way we're going to kind of close out uh, the service today, um, just uh, be- w- because of time too, um, is um, you guys all have a little card um, on your, on your uh, seat like this. Um, and it just says, My Kingdom Investments. And it says, Time, Talents, and Treasure. And what I want to encourage you to do, we're going to have a couple songs here at the end of the service today, a little bit different than we normally do. We're going to have a couple songs. And what I, would, what I really would encourage you to do is take a few minutes and really think about like how, after we've talked about this for four weeks, right? Like we shouldn't just be hearers of the word, we need to be doers, so how can you invest your time, your talents, and your treasures to make kingdom investments that will last for eternity? And I, I just want to encourage you to take some time while we're singing to, to just quietly spend time with the Lord and ask the Lord, like Lord, where, where do I need to go first? For some of you, it's going to be the finance thing, and man, I, I you know. Uh, I, I know it's a big ask or a big offer, but I know Craig and Kelly would love to talk to you. Because like Kelly said, I, this is what I love about their stories, they genuinely want you to experience the same thing. If you're so, and what is even better is, I mean, this was just five years ago the world was falling apart, right? It, it, it wasn't like you know, 20 years ago. It was like, this is recent that this has all happened and God has moved. And they would be happy, I know, to share that with you we have people, I'm going I'm to ask the, the, our elders to come up and sit, you know, if their spouses with them too, to just come up and sit um, up front or in the back prayer areas. Just, if you need prayer, then go to them. And, and then lastly, there's there's something, and, and I talked with our, our leadership team about this. Um, you know, from time to time, there's things that happen here at the church. And we look at our budget, and our our finance team is awesome. They're very very keenly, they're skilled in what they do. Um, uh, But every once in a while, God's doing something and there's something we didn't budget for. You know, this year it might have been like Celebrate Recovery, you know, this last year it was like, you know, extra money for things to go to Africa for the medical center we were building. So from time to time there's things where You know, we just are like, God's moving in this way. We want to be able to fund this, but we didn't really have this in the budget. And we know that some of you are, you know, needs-based givers we are like, okay, just tell me the need and I'm I'm good. And so one of the things we'd like to do is from time to time, for those of you who would like to, this is not necessarily for everyone, from time to time, uh, when those needs arise, we would love to just send you out an email and say, hey, here's what's happening. And, and here's an opportunity. Here's a place where you can, you can enjoy being generous if, if that's where God has you right now. And so there's a, we're, we're just, I'm just calling it, you know, kind of our, our kingdom investors team. And if you'd like to be part of that, and again, we pro, we're not going to flood you with emails. This is like maybe a once or twice a year thing, right, as God moves. Um, and, you know, we're not going to show up at your house and give you a big spiel. We're just going to say, here's what God's doing And if you'd like to receive an email like that, then you can just, on the bottom of the card, you can just put your name and your email address. And what I'd love for you to do while we're singing is this, is take some time and and just be with the Lord. Let Him speak to you about how in these areas of time, talent, and treasure, you can experience Him. And then when you're ready, then when you're ready, then you can take the communion. Remember the bread representing his broken body and the blood, the cup that represents his shed blood. And remember that he already made a personal investment in you. He gave his life so that you could experience peace and freedom. And so just spend this time with him. And then fill out the card if you'd like to you know, put your name and email to receive the thing. Um, on each of the tables around um, the, the building, there's a gold uh, our offering trays that we don't always use anymore. Um, uh, but you could just take this card during the singing and just drop it in there, and we'd love to do that. If you want to just come up and kneel and pray, we'll have people here to pray with you. If you want to come up and chat with Craig and Kelly, um, I, I know they would love to talk with you. If, you. if you want to know more about what it means to make Jesus Lord of your life, man, I, I would love to talk to you this morning because God has your good in mind and he wants you to experience peace and freedom in ways that you can't even imagine. So let me pray, and, um, and then we'll sing, and just spend time enjoying the Lord's presence. Our Heavenly Father, thank you this morning. Thank you for the indescribable gift of Jesus. Thank you, Father, that in the midst of a world that gets crazy and a world that tells us all these things that we need to be happy, that God, you have a plan for us that is so good Father, you you have so much good in store for us. You want us to live lives of of freedom, of peace. You you, you don't want us to struggle through, you know, worry and fear and anxieties over things like money and time, Lord. You, You have a good plan. And so, Father, help us to be children who faithfully follow that. Lord, we love you. We thank you. I thank you for Craig and for Kelly for what you've done in their lives, and thank you for their willingness to share their story with us this morning. Thank you, Father, that you're gonna continue to write stories on all of our hearts. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.